What is up, people, and thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. It's a little bit of a unique show tonight because uh, me and Kendall are both doing the show remotely away from our um, headquarters over in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. I'm in New York City. Kendall's in Philadelphia, so Shamari is helping us out tonight doing our uh, audio engineering to get this show up on uh, SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher, so thanks, thank you to Shamari for that, of course. We got a great show lined up for you today. We're, of course, we're talking about the uh, massive news coming out of Minnesota, where uh, Timberwolves star Jimmy Butler has made it uh, official that he wants out of this uh, of the state of Minnesota. He wants to leave the T Wolves. He's given uh, Town Thibodeau a list of teams he wants to possibly uh, be traded to. So we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about some stuff happening with the Sixers. There's a shift going on in the front office, and there are. Uh, their rookie point guard from last year seems to have maybe fixed his jump shot. So talk about Sixers, talk about Jimmy Butler. We also got a lot of stuff on the Steelers and that whole situation with Antonio Brown. We'll talk a lot of football, and we'll wrap the show with Kendall's court, as always. And that brings me to my co-host, Kendall Stewart, who joins me today. Kendall, what are you looking forward to talking about today? Yeah, what's up, EJ? Um, it's the NBA offseason is... It's always it's an extremely weird time uh, in the sports calendar because every time when you think it's done, when you think it's dying down, I mean, we had uh, the draft, which obviously is a long two-month period that goes on through, through the draft process starts during the playoffs and then ends right after the playoffs, and then you get to free agency, and you think that's crazy because we have star players changing teams. Uh, big names going to new new places, and then you have guys like Kawhi Leonard who ask for trades after free agency and then get traded uh, and end up on new teams, uh, like we saw this year or like we saw last year with Kyrie Irving. Um, and then you have Hall of Famers like Carmelo Anthony months, uh, you know, a month after that, that get cut and end up getting picked up by championship contenders like Carmelo Anthony did with the Houston Rockets. And now, what 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 day is it, EJ? It's September twentieth. Yeah. And we're we're a week away from media day, uh, less than a week from media day, a week away from training camp starting, and about eight nine days away from the start of the preseason. And we have an all star shooting guard that is expressing that he wants to get traded. So don't count out the NBA all season until it's over because. Storylines can happen as late as September, all the way into the NBA season. Yeah, you're right in that. It's the NBA off season. The NBA is a 12 month season, and the NBA off season really, like you said, doesn't really end until training camp actually begins. But let's let's start off the show talking about this Jimmy Butler situation. So, uh, Sham Shrani got the scoop uh, from the Athletic. He reported Sham won this one. See, okay, that's that's Shams the question. We're saying so. Shams got the scoop, but then Woj got the list of teams. Yeah. So, what was funny about that was like Woj didn't. Even, sometimes Woj tweets stuff, tweets the exact same thing that that Shams tweets right after Shams does, just to say like, oh, I have my own list of sources that say the same thing. This time he didn't even tweet that Jimmy Butler wanted a trade. Like he didn't waste time. He was just like his last tweet was something totally off topic from like a day ago. Then the yeah. first tweet of the day is 
Jimmy Butler's three teams are the, the so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. And it's like, what are you even tweeting about? If, if I don't follow Sham Charania, I don't know what he's tweeting about. Yeah. Well, if you're not following Sham Charania, then uh, you live under a rock if you're beef. That's true. I don't know why I'd follow Woj and not Shams, but that's a whole other conversation. These are the these are the two these are the two preeminent uh, sports NBA uh, breaking news reporters at this point. So Shams got the initial scoop, and then like you said, and I or like I said, her uh, uh, Woj then came in with the list of teams. So Jimmy Butler had a meeting with team GM, general manager and head coach Tom Thibodeau. He let Thibodeau know very clearly that he wants out of Minnesota. He's not intent on signing an extension. With that team, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, Jimmy Butler has given T Wolves a list of three teams that he wants to go. His top definite destination: the Los Angeles Clippers. Second destination: the New York Knicks, and third, the Brooklyn Nets. So, Kendall, when we started hearing about this looming meeting earlier in the week, I think that it kind of became expected that this was going to be the result. Um, I can't. I don't know why. And the, I think the only guy to have those like looming meetings out of nowhere and not come out of them with a trade request and teams that he wants to go to is Damian Lillard. In my recent memory, yeah, uh, that was weird. He's, I remember Chris Paul had the meeting with New Orleans and then they traded him. Melo had the meeting with Nuggets and they traded him. Like it, it was like Kawhi. That, like, Kawhi had the had meeting with the Spurs and then and they got rid of him. Like that's like the. It's like if if the vote of confidence when it comes to head coaches in sports is the uh, kiss of death, then the uh, we need to meet about uh, my future for teams uh, and their players who are pending free agents is is a kiss of death for those teams. They're never going to play for those teams again. <laughs> so um, this is what's happening with Jimmy Butler. Kendall, I, I guess I'll ask you just off the top. Why do you think that Butler is so high on the Clippers? Because I think when these teams came out, we didn't know what to ex- – we knew to expect probably these three teams. I know a lot of people were kind of like, why do you want to play with terrible teams? But it, the rumor has been for years that these been, these are the teams he's been looking at. But I think people were surprised that he's been so high – that he's so high on the Clippers. Why do you think that um, Butler's eyeing that, that, that squad? Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, on the three teams as a whole, I think obviously you look at – the, the commonality between the, th- the three teams, the common denominator is that they're all big market teams with cap space. So they can attract other guys, Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Clay Thompson. There are plenty of guys, Kevin Durant, that he could team up with next summer uh, with those teams. And they're big market teams. And Jimmy Butler, while, and, you know, we're both very familiar with Jimmy Butler having listened to interviews and, He's a he's definitely a quirky personality. Yeah. Um, he on the court he gives the vibe of he's you know a rough and rugged Tom Thibodeau type guy. Vet he's a vet, uh, gritty type of player. But off the court he definitely does have a Hollywood type of personality. So I can see why he would much rather prefer living in Los Angeles than living in Minnesota. Um, why the Lakers, or not the Lakers, why the Clippers and not the Lakers, because apparently he doesn't want to play with LeBron, and not the Nets and Knicks, uh, while he does want to go to those teams, not nearly as much as the Clippers, apparently. Uh, I would say that, one, you look at the Clippers and the obvious difference between those two teams and the Clippers is 
maybe he doesn't want to live in New York. Um, or maybe he'd rather live in Los Angeles than New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes to the Clippers, and it's his team from day one. Uh, he goes to the Clippers, and I think he's on a team that, you know, it depends on what they have to give up to get him. But you would think could compete for a playoff spot, which for the Celtics is great because we have their first round pick and it's lottery protected. So, I mean, I, I hope the Clippers make the playoffs next year. Seems unlikely until <laughs> until Jimmy Butler decided to take his future into his own hands. But um, although if I were him I, and he was worried about winning immediately, I would tell him go to the Nets uh, because they're the team I think would be closest to making the playoffs with Jimmy Butler. If I, if, and also, if I were him and I were, if he, if he was worried about li- legitimately winning a championship, I would tell him to go to the Knicks uh, because I think the Knicks have the best combination of future assets and ability to attract other free agents along with current talent that it outweighs uh, those other two teams. The question, though, if you're the Clippers, and really all three of these teams, is do you really want Jimmy Butler right now? Obviously, you want Jimmy Butler in free agency, but what do you have to give up to get this guy? I haven't heard any real Clipper packages. Um, obviously, the names, the first two names that come to mind when you think about Clippers assets are Shea Gilgis Alexander and Jerome Robinson. They're two lottery picks from this year. And look, I didn't love Jerome Robinson coming out of college, so I wouldn't have a problem trading him for Jimmy Butler. But I'm sure Jerry West and Lawrence Frank and Doc Rivers were very high on Jerome Robinson or they wouldn't have taken him with 13th pick in the draft. So I'm going to assume that they don't want to trade him. So I'm going to assume that I wouldn't do that trade if I were the Clippers, if they were as high as him. Shea Gilles Alexander is untouchable, off the table. I'm not trading him for a guy who has one year left on his deal. But, um, and I also would try to keep Tobias Harris. And those are really the only guys. Anyone else, I don't even... I really don't care about uh, the Nets. It's only D'Angelo Russell. I, I, even a Russell, I would think about trading, but D'Angelo Russell is the only guy I would try and protect. Anyone else? I mean, you can have your combination of Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, I think they would try and keep him as well. Ronnie Howell, Jefferson, whatever other, Jared Allen, whatever other mediocre prospects are coming out of Brooklyn. And then the Knicks are obviously the, also the very interesting case because, like I said, they have a, a a strong group of packages to put together. And obviously, I know you're a Knicks fan, and the, it comes down to they have Porzingis not on the table, Kevin Knox, similar to Shea Gilgis Alexander, uh, untouchable. So, and you're not trading any legitimate first round picks in the next couple of years. So the the question is going to be. Are you willing to give up Frank Nilakina, your first round pick from last year, and pair him with a Tim Hardaway Jr. or an Ennis Cantor to get Jimmy Butler? And if you're not willing to do that, I don't know if I'd be willing to do it if I were Minnesota. Now, if I were the Knicks, I would strongly consider it. I don't think I would do it, though. In terms of laying out the situation, uh, the Clippers being his top choice was interesting to me. Because I, I guess the Clippers probably look like the most blank slate. And maybe that's honestly what he likes about them. Because I look at their roster, I feel like any trade that would involve Butler would mean that Tobias Harris is going to the T-Wolves. I can't imagine 
there's a trade that happens that's why Harris doesn't get moved. Because nobody's touching Dylan Gallinari. No, not even close. So, in terms of making that money work, uh, the only guy, other guy in the ballpark is Avery Bradley. I, I'm sure Thibodeau would love Avery Bradley. He may be crazy enough to want to take him. And so he coached him. Graphics. Did he coach him at some point? Did, was he there in Boston? Maybe not. I'm going to say he didn't. No. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I, he, Avery Bradley seems like a typical guy. but Yeah, I'm sure Doc is – I mean, he's coached against him, obviously. But I'm sure Doc has uh, probably raved about yeah, Avery Bradley. Believe me, between Tobias Harris and Avery Bradley, I'm sure Doc would love to talk up how much – <laughs> how good Avery Bradley is and why Thibodeau should take him instead of Tobias Harris. So I, I would think that a deal would start with Tobias Harris, and if the deal is starting with Tobias Harris, then kind of like Clippers are now, they look like a team that's kind of going nowhere. Not to say that both all three teams look like they're kind of going nowhere, but I mean, they really look like they're going nowhere because there's not really much of a influx of, of, of intriguing youth outside of Tamik Shea Gillis Alexander. So that made that team interesting, but I guess what I what what made this curious is that it made me one it made me realize that I probably was right when I told everyone on this show that as soon as I saw Boban Marjanovic uh doing movies, I said on this show, we need to start paying attention to what Jerry West is doing in Los Angeles. And it may have sounded crazy at the time. But I saw that and I said, hmm. Boban's major, John major, major press release. Not press release, but major Hollywood press, reporter. Press run to report that a backup center who barely plays is going to be in a movie. Minor role in a movie. Minor role. Major outlets are all picking this up. That didn't make sense. Major Los Angeles outlets. Yes, major Hollywood. we're picking it up. That didn't make any sense. Other than we know how Jerry West has used the city of Los Angeles to recruit high-end talent, whether it be players or coaches, to the Lakers. And now he's working for the Clippers. I saw that and said, okay, we need to start paying attention to Jerry West. Whenever these guys have these situations, when they're talking about teams they want to go to, best believe there is back-channel conversations being had to where these teams know that these guys are looking at them potentially in free agency. So the Clippers, a team that to me looks very bare other than the possibility of getting another player. That's the team you desperately want to go to out of those three teams. To me, the Knicks would have seemed like the way better fit because at least even though Porzingis is coming off of a major injury, there's already a star there and there's a potential slot for a second superstar. So there's a chance you may have a big three in New York and say you only want to have two in Los Angeles. But Jerry West was, I think Jerry West was instrumental in Jimmy Butler, perhaps being in the mindset that the Clippers are going to be the wave and instrumental in not putting the Lakers in this conversation because we're making it all just about LeBron, but who better knows the, 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 uh, the organization of the Los Angeles Lakers than Jerry West, if you're Jerry West, you're making a recruiting pitch. He just like he knows everything that's great about the Lakers. I'm sure he was able to maybe uh, put out some of the skeletons that maybe would scare off someone like Jimmy Butler. He's a master. And I don't mean this in a negative way. He's a master manipulator. And I don't think it, it can be 
overstated his influence in anything he's involved in. So as soon as I saw Clippers by far Jimmy Butler's top choice, I was like, wow, okay, Jerry West is not messing around right now. So that was interesting to me. In terms of the New York Knicks, that's the major question involving them is will or should, like you said, they be willing to part with assets. It becomes a very interesting conversation because the team brass just came out with a, a like they did like a town hall. Yeah, which is weird, man. Which is it's almost like Jim Butler is like, well, <laughs> so much for that because here I'm gonna drop this woge bomb <laughs> on you guys in two days, and you guys are really gonna have to test out your uh, your philosophy because in that town hall, Mills and and Perry were adamant that the team, the days of trading future first round picks and young assets for guys who were on expiring contracts or or, or guys who, who who had major contracts, those days are over. I mean, Mills pretty much said it in terms that could not be confused and misconstrued. He can't walk. If he changes his mind, he can't, he, it's going to come back and say, well, you basically said, said something completely different days ago. So if I was the New York Knicks, I would try to piece together something that does not include any young assets. The question becomes, if it's a bidding war between those, if only those three teams, can the Knicks win that? They not might either. They might still be able to without including Frank or a draft pick. They might be able to. Now, what's, what's interesting about my position is that, look, Jimmy Bell is a great player. And for the Knicks... I mean, if, if, he, if he really wants to play for your team, I'm not going to tell him he can't play for the Knicks this year. And I have no problem parting with Frank Nilakina because I don't think he's that great. Not to say that I don't think he's a great player, but I feel like if you get Jimmy Butler or that he can't be a very good player at some point, but I feel like if you get Jimmy Butler, the idea is also you want to get Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. And not that Frank still can't play a role, but, I mean, I'm not going to knock Jimmy Butler plus Kyrie Irving because... I don't want to give a Frank Milikina because he's not going to be your starting point guard anyway. If things go the way you hope. If not, if, and if not Kyrie Irving, maybe, maybe even Kemba Walker. But the reason I'd be hesitant to get Jimmy Butler now is because it's an awkward time in the franchise to go after a star player. If you trade for Jimmy Butler now, and I, I mean, ideally you want to get him on pennies at the dollar, and Let's say you only have to trade Tim Hardaway and whoever. Maybe it's Frank Nilakina, but may, maybe Tim Hardaway is the only legitimate asset that you trade for right now on right on next year's team. The team vastly improves, and now that draft pick that we're talking about being R.J. Barrett, being Zion Williamson, you know, being Nasir Little from North Carolina, being some top five pick, that now drops to. A, a late lottery pick in a draft that's supposed to be very, very, very top heavy. Yeah. Very weak. So, and I love the top two guys in RJ Barrett and Zion Williamson. But after that, I think it gets very, very weak. So, if you're drafting the 9, 10, 11 in this draft, that might as well have been drafting 18 last year. So, what does that do for your franchise if you get Jimmy Butler for a year, but then your best asset is now. An, an average asset when I could tank this year, keep Frank, keep 
Knox, keep all these young guys. And that draft pick jumps from 13 all the way up to, and it might be higher than that. It might be, because I think the Knicks can make the playoffs if they got Jimmy Butler, if he's healthy. That could be the 17th pick now jumps to the third pick in the draft. And now that third pick in the draft is now a pitch that you can add or something asset that you can add to your pitch to Jimmy Butler in free agency. To put your something an asset to add to your pitch to Kyrie Irving in free agency. So what now you can say, look, we've got RJ Barrett, got Porzingis, Knox, Frank, come sign with us. We have two max slots. So that's why I it's, I'm hesitant to give up assets at this point in time if you're the Knicks. The Nets are a little different because the Nets have been awful for years. Obviously they haven't had a chance to really draft, but I wanted I I, I think the Nets are legitimately closer than the, than the Knicks are to winning. So I feel like you get Jimmy Butler and you keep a lot of this core intact, they could be a top six seed in the in the East, which sounds blasphemous, but the East is that bad. And and I think Kenny Axe is a good coach and they have a good culture over there. Uh, the Clippers are also in an awkward position, but the Clippers are desperate for star players. So you do by any means necessary, you get that guy. The other question, though, is do you let Jimmy Butler walk and – now you can't get Kyrie Irving, or is it you have to get Jimmy Butler by any means necessary because you have to give yourself a, a chance to get Kyrie Irving? Because that's the question. Does Jimmy Butler for all three of these teams equal Kyrie Irving? Um, my other two questions for you, EJ, yeah. uh, are, one, is Jimmy Butler worth it for all these teams? Right. Because I made the, I've made this point to you a couple months ago because I've been saying for a while. Remember how – I've been I've been telling you this for now for weeks. Why hasn't Minnesota traded Jimmy Butler? I've been saying this for months, all offseason. It was the weirdest thing. I'm like, he's gonna leave in a year. Um, they're not gonna win a championship. He's there. He's he's made it abundantly clear in the media he doesn't want to be there. He's putting out all this weird stuff about I don't want to be. In, I don't like playing with Wiggins. I don't like playing with Towns. Um, these guys are soft. I don't like what. I don't like what Thibodeau is doing by bringing in all these former Bulls. He's putting out all this crazy stuff. So it's obvious. I want to play with Kyrie. All this stuff is in the media, so obviously he doesn't want to be there. So why he was there in the, in the first place was weird. But I told you a couple of weeks ago that what's weird about Jimmy Butler is that I look at Tom Thibodeau. Because how old is Jimmy Butler? 29? I want to say he's 29. Yeah, he's 29. And I look at two other guys that Tom Thibodeau has had that he's coached in Chicago. They got big contracts uh, their second time in free agency. Joakim Noah, Lou Aldang. Both guys, EJ, you know, you know uh, Joakim Noah a ton. He's a New York Nick, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I don't know much. He barely plays. Yeah, he hasn't played in like two years. He looks a little different now. If you, if you haven't seen him, you can look him up on social media. But Joakim Noah and Lou Aldang are both guys that looked completely – they both looked good. I mean, Noah wasn't great. He's was coming off injuries, but they, the Knicks, legit, Phil Jackson legitimately thought he could still play. And Lou Dang legitimately looked like a good player in Miami. Like, Laker fans were really excited when they got Lou Dang. Heat fans were very upset when they lost Lou Dang for nothing. Both guys, when they signed with their new teams to four-year deals with, worth $70 million plus, looked like they forgot how to play the game of basketball. They looked like they were 80 years old, couldn't play anymore. Their bodies warm down. And the common theme between those guys is those guys average like 40 minutes a night playing for Tom Thibodeau. Well, you know who else averaged 40 minutes a night playing for Tom Thibodeau? Jimmy Butler. Mm -hmm. So Jimmy Butler is reaching that age where 
I would be worried about the proverbial cliff coming up for Jimmy Butler's career. And I would be leery about giving that guy a four-year max deal, assuming he's going to be an all-star for all four of these years. Because there is a chance. I mean, we already saw he had almost a major knee injury. He avoided a major knee injury this year with his mm-hmm. torn meniscus. Um, this is, there's, there's a red flag there. But there's that question and there's the Kyrie question as well, which is, does this equal Kyrie Irving? There's the saying, Kendall, if you don't re- learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. The New York Knicks in 2011 made the move despite uh, Carmelo Anthony's impending free agency to sell the house, essentially, and trade many assets for 26-year-old Carmelo Anthony in 2011. Carmelo Anthony... In, at 26 years old, was a better player than Jimmy Butler is now. And I don't mean that to shame, like shame Jimmy Butler at all. Jimmy Butler is a great player. But I think it, we need to understand who Carmelo was at that time when the Knicks traded for him. And they gave to up To be that. fair, do you feel like they're not, they, they wouldn't be tasked with giving up as much as they did then? Assuming they don't give up Knox, Porzingis. I mean, Frank. It was Adam Zagoria who who filed Zags blog. That's my guy. Filed the Zags blog. He said that the understanding is that the Knicks don't have the realistic the realistic assets that the T Wolves would want in a trade. Now I don't know if that's the T Wolves already playing, starting the negotiation games, playing hardball with the Knicks, or if that's legitimate that they look at what the Knicks would probably offer them and what they want, and they feel like there's nothing. If I'm the Knicks, I mean, I already, I've already already made the case that I don't really want Jimmy Butler, but if I'm the Knicks and they say we want Knox, Porzingis, or nothing, I, I leave the table. I'm like, all right, have fun with a star player that— There's 0% chance you can trade. There's, there's no way you can trade either of those two guys. Yeah, like, those guys aren't even— Insanity. It's the same deal that you know the Spurs apparently wanted Embiid or Simmons for Kawhi Leonard, and mm-hmm. the Sixers didn't blink. They were just like, "All right, well, we're not really in the conversation." Remember, I said that the Sixers would be crazy not to trade for Kawhi or Demar Derozan, and they they didn't. Well, I, if it's Simmons and Embiid, I 100% understand not trading with those teams. So it's the Knicks. It's the Knicks with the Knicks. It's the same thing. But Kevin Knox, Porzingis, those guys are untouchable. I don't want to even discuss those guys. Frank, now, I don't think he's untouchable. Yeah, I don't think he is either. I, to me, I like the whole to, to me, I think about the trade that they got to get Jimmy Butler. And to me, a Hardaway Frank package sounds a lot like a Dunn Levine package. Does it not? <laughs> well, me, that's minus the. He's a little younger than Hardaway, but to me, like it was, it's like the same thing. If they like that, would be fair value probably for the for what they traded for Jimmy Butler. It's and minus Lowry marketing though. Well, he did one year with uh, he did one year with what's the name? Um, he did one year with uh, with, with under Tom Thibodeau and those minutes he was logging an injury. I think yeah, that that's I feel Levine's a little better prospect than Hardaway, and Frank's a little better prospect than Chris Dunwood. Right. But that the would... difference is that you don't get Lowry marketing, who's a top 10 pick in a strong draft. So right. Unless you're willing to trade a first round pick. Which right. I, I'm getting Jimmy Butler coming off a knee injury, and 
another yeah. season playing forty minutes on the on the Thibodeau. You got you don't get the same value. Right. If I if I if I buy a rental car and then I want to sell that rental car after I've been running it into the, the ground for a year. Sorry, you're not gonna get the same value you got for when you paid for it. That's, that's why not, not when I know you had to get rid of it by the end of the year. That, that's <laughs> that even worse for you. Yeah, and, and that's why I feel like at the end of the day, this is something I haven't really heard brought up, but I'd be very surprised. As we saw with Kawhi Leonard, as we somewhat kind of saw with Kyrie Irving, depending on who you believe, what reports you believe, I'd be very surprised if he ends up getting traded to one of those two, one of those three teams on his list. I agree. I think some team like the Thunder mm-hmm. uh, with Paul George, like the Celtics with Kyrie Irving, like the Raptors with Kawhi Leonard is going to say the value of bring, adding Jimmy Butler to this team and taking the risk is way more worth it than letting him go to one of these three big market teams for pennies. Can I give you the team I think that should go after him? That's not yep. the one of those teams? What's the team? The Indiana Pacers. Mm, I, I don't, I'm not feeling it. You're not feeling it? I'm not feeling it. I mean, Indiana, Indiana or- have a lot of players. They could lose. They could afford. To me, the Eastern Conference is wide open, so and they're a lot closer to what people think. What was that? So you're trading Tur- Turner or Sabonis? Yes. That's tough. Because I think I think if you have Jimmy Butler and Oladipo in that conference, and I get to keep either Sabonis or Turner, I have a shot to go to the NBA Finals. A legitimate chance. Oh man, I mean that's tough. I do you? And there's a question about Turner, like. I, look, I've been one of Turner's most ardent supporters or supporters over the last two years. He regressed last year. There are legitimate questions about what happened to him last year. He was the same player he was a year before. There was zero improvement. Now, I like what I've seen this offseason. He's got himself in great shape. So he deserves credit. He's, he's posting workout videos on Instagram? He was posting, well, even better than workout videos. He was posting side-by-side photos. Oh, he, man. He was going all the way in. He's going he the before and after? Side-by-side. He had the shirtless before and after. Oh, man, that's, <laughs> the, that's the college basketball uh, or college football strength, con- strength and conditioning coaches uh, special right there. Exactly. So he so he was really trying to show that, hey, I'm not the same guy I was last season. And look what, I, look I love, what I've done with this I guy. Since, uh, I hope he, he does get it done. Before and after, that's also the – it's a contract year special. Yeah. I believe it's a contract year for Miles Turner. But <laughs> Julius <laughs> Randle did the same thing last year. Um but that's my uh, thing. I think the Pacers, I think that they could realistically get rid of one of those guys, probably not get hurt too bad. And if you're the Celtics, I know you'd be very worried about playing Old Depot. And, and, and Look, you know, I hate playing Old Depot now. I hate playing the Pacers now. If they got Jimmy Butler, I would very much still not like playing them. I also wouldn't be that worried in a seven-game series if we, if, if the Celtics were, very, were fully healthy. Which is a huge if, given we have our two best players coming back from season-ending injuries. But um, the I, I don't know. I should New Orleans see if they can make a run at him, or would that just be trying to duplicate the Boogie Cousins? We're just going to try and keep Anthony Davis happy by getting one of his friends. I just don't know what they would trade to get him. I mean, their team is so bad outside of like four guys. Yeah. They like I they mean, can't afford to lose any of those guys. Yeah, like you can't trade Drew Holly, you can't trade AD, obviously. Exactly. You just signed Randall, you can't trade him. Just signed Peyton. So what 
who who I mean Miritich. I think Miritich was a free agent. I feel like you can you can't really trade him either. But to be fair, Miritich is a former bull. So any any former bull is at least worth a conversation. And Thibodeau probably has he probably has more value to the Timberwolves than any other team in the league. So <laughs> you might be able to do a straight up. But <laughs> just find the money, which again probably won't be hard for that team since they gave all that money to Etwan Moore and Solomon Hill. Oh yeah, I'm sure but, they they got plenty low lying around now. Um some other teams I've seen thrown out there, obviously the Raptors after they just got Kawhi, which the Raptors, because I wouldn't say they fleeced uh, San Antonio, but because they got Kawhi for such a good price, I would if if I were uh, if I were the uh, the Raptors, I would say, look, you guys can have OG, or is that too much? Um, uh, that's too much. Can't because do that. you 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 I, I know where you're going because you're gonna say exactly what I've, I've been saying and I've been like the guy like look man if I you got a championship and they would have a chance at a championship you go for it now yeah now you have a legit shot but like, I, right you, now you're you still like bad, huh? better but they're not that much better than they were yeah if you get I, Jimmy Butler for OG and Anubi and some scraps I mean that's that's a team that I I would legitimately be scared of that team I, I, to me Ken though I just can't go. Two guys on expiring contracts. One guy I was all for. I think it was the right move. I would do it a hundred times over. Two guys. I mean, now I'm looking like, yo, we're gonna be looking light next year <laughs> when those guys bounce. Like, you know, at least before I could say, okay, I got Lowry still. Maybe I could flip him, and I got OG to kind of try to start building around. He looks like a good young player. If I get rid of him. And I'm I got two star players that didn't bounce this offseason. I mean, we like my my thing was they were gonna bottom out anyway, but that might be almost too much. Where now you're really starting at zero. I don't know if I can do that. But if they did, that would I had to respect the hustle. I would have to respect going for it like that from the side. But man, that would that would be a gamble too and much. And the last move, EJ, I know you hate Star Wars. No, but you give me some more Star Wars. Should Boston make a call? If I told you that they could find a way to trade Smart, Baines, Morris, make the money work somehow, and keep every keep the top five, keep keep your start, keep your starters, keep Rozier, really your top six. Do you do it? There's no way the T Wolves are, are trading with the Celtics. They're not getting. Jalen Brown. What if I told you you can have the Sacramento Kings pick? That's going to be top five. I mean, that I feel like that outweighs anything that, we've that, mentioned that, today. That is a decent trump card that I did not consider. I mean, if you're the Celtics, you might not even need to. I mean, you, we have a bunch of other picks, but that one would probably get the deal done, especially since you're, all, you're also still getting smart who Thibodeau would obviously love. Jesus, I didn't. Jesus, you're really talking about starting a freaking dream team. That Star Wars, I don't know how any of that fits in any type of way. I don't know how the cap works because Brown will be a free agent after next year, I believe. Rozier is a free agent after this year. He's gonna be he's gonna be gone after a year if we do this. Like, I don't know how any of that works. But I mean, you want to talk about trying to beat the Warriors? Do not trade any of those other guys. The Warriors would be in for a serious series. I'm not joking around. And I, I think they kind of already are. I've been saying that all summer. 
Um, and I think I'm probably very much a minority in that. But I don't think that the Warriors will walk through Boston if they play Boston in the finals like they have done to Cleveland last year. Like, I don't know how the lineups would even work, but you'd have Kyrie, Jimmy Butler, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward, and Al Horford, and Terry Rozier. I don't care about the rest of the team. It's like the Warriors. Like, I don't, you can put, I mean, we might sign Jamal Crawford. I don't know what we would do, but like, I don't know. That's just a question you have to ask. I, I don't think I would do it. I, again, I, part of me, one, doesn't want to see Star Wars, and two, I think you compromise. There's too many egos in that locker room at that point. That well, I do think, that's what I thought about, too. I mean, Brown's a, he's a, he's a very headstrong guy. Uh, I don't think he loves being the, the third guy, fourth guy now. I don't think he would like coming off the bench. Um, you know, Tatum and Hayward, I think, would deal with it. But even those guys realize, look, we're top six, seven small forwards in our own right. Why do we need Jimmy Butler? And then Kyrie and Jimmy Butler are ter- certainly different personalities. Horford would be fine because he, he's the only big man in the equation. But you can't have four all-star caliber wing players or all, almost all-star caliber wing players. That even in today's NBA, it seems I mean, like to a me, it's like that. if you did that move, that it would it would then like it would be the precursor to like another trade that would get you another star. Yeah, and it would mean like, like all right, Brown or Tatum will be moved to Anthony Davis at some point. Yeah, you'd you'd go after Anthony Davis or Hayward, but like one of those three guys would be moved for Anthony Davis, and you might be able to get him because you'd have that many assets. Yeah, then it'd be like. Why wouldn't we? I mean, I wouldn't really blink if we traded Brown and a bunch of first round picks for Anthony Davis or whatever contract. It would probably have to be Hayward money wise, but Hayward and a bunch of first round picks for Anthony Davis. I think it would be Hayward and Brown for Anthony Davis and That's first what round picks. I still probably wouldn't. You would do it. Still would if, you had Butler, if you had Dream Butler on your roster, you do it in a heartbeat. Dream Butler, Tatum, Horford, and. See, they can't do that, man. That's that is literally NBA 2K team building. It is, man. That, that, that would be. But I'm a 2K vet. Because <laughs> I've done all the scenarios. I'm like, I'm like Doctor Strange. I've done the, I've done the, the 17 million scenarios. I know two that ends up with Jimmy Butler and Anthony Davis on the Celtics. Did you see? Did you see Jackson uh, going at it with Andrew Wiggins? Yeah, I thought we should probably mention that in passing before we move on, which we should move on soon. Um. I don't know. I feel weird about it. One, I feel like that one is, is entertaining. Two is the absolute perfect snapshot of Generation Xers or Yers or whatever the hell they are. Uh, I think Generation X and Millennials. This is like so Generation X. You're soft. Generation uh, New Millennials. Uh, you know, you're a bum. You're old. Like that's like if you go on Twitter, that's what you see <laughs> pretty much. On any time, every Steven time. Jackson was, Steven hours. Jackson and was uh, in an argument between two NBA players. That's what happened. Like Steven you, Jackson you're, was you're picking off. a fight. Yeah, Steven Jackson was picking a fight with Andrew Wiggins. Wiggins rightfully didn't back down. Look, was what Steven Jackson said right? I mean, look, I don't know Andrew Wiggins, but that's the perception out there. Right. And um, so I can't blame him for saying it, but obviously he was picking a fight. And he claims they're going to cross paths one day, so that'll be fun. I'll have my popcorn for that one. Um, now, I don't know if you saw the update, but it's the, no, I follow Stack Jack on Instagram because he's a great follow. 
And Stack Jack says that he he was called by his home, his OG, Jerry Stackhouse. You know, Jerry Stackhouse working in Toronto probably has, you know, some connections to kind of to, to figure this out. And apparently Jerry Stackhouse has squashed the beef, according to according to uh to what's name. So if you're a rap fan, this is basically Jerry Stackhouse playing Jay Prince in the Drake Pusha T Kanye beef when Jay Prince had to come in and tell everyone basically to cease fire because he was the OG who probably had money involved in all three of these guys and said, I'm not getting my money messed up because y'all acting foolishness. So uh, this is Jerry Stackhouse playing that OG come in and he said that uh, out of respect for his OG, yeah. he's willing to, 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 to just move on and wish Andrew Wiggins a, uh, a good year. And last, last thing, there's no way they can keep Jimmy Butler, right? No, like he can't play a game. But like, it, it, but to be honest, like Thibodeau, I really want to get Thibodeau to benefit of the doubt for like a long time. But having seen him work in what is it, two years now, he's been there. Like, like I, no, nothing's past him, so I can't say for sure. Like, or as basketball logic, the- no, you have to trade him. In terms of Thibodeau logic, he could do anything. If he wins a night and played him 82 games, that would not surprise me at all. Wiggins and Butler might fight each other on site. And, I mean, there are some, there's some, all I'll say is this. There's reason to believe that Carl Anthony Towns would never sign an extension with Minnesota as long as Jimmy Butler's on the roster. And for whatever reason, there's a lot of speculation out there. Uh, a lot of gossip, you know, a lot of NBA gossip that you never know what's true and what's not. Um, but if if what is out there is true, I don't expect Carly Towns to ever play a game for the if ever to ever play a game with Jimmy Butler ever again. So I don't. So I don't uh, think that we'll ever see those guys play together again. But that's just the question. Is like. I mean, we have a week before training camp starts. They're hard-pressed to find a deal now. And Jimmy Butler screwed them over by waiting this long. I don't know why. I think why. he did it on purpose. I think it was strategic. Yeah. Clearly, it was strategic. I think, like, now it's like like they got to work now, like, in theory. Again, Thibodeau can do anything. But in theory, like, the strategy play would be, oh, if I do it right before training camp, like, you got to treat me tomorrow. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not lingering in my future – Right, I'm not gonna put it. In. Yeah, exactly. And then maybe Kyrie took a mad long to get traded. Quiet. Right. It was the conversation for two weeks. What's gonna happen with Jimmy Butler? What's gonna happen with Jimmy Butler? Now, that conversation will be done quick. And then there's that possibility because in the Kyrie situation and in the Carmelo Anthony situation, both teams started talking like they were comfortable with those guys coming back into training camp. So, Jimmy Butler did not want that to be. A possibility in any way, I don't think it's got to be. It's got to be uh, a, a, a fresh, a, a fresh wound, right? Because three months is like okay. You may initially be upset, but like you've been dealing with this guy being wanting out for three months. Like, what's another three more months or four more months? To, to like whatever the trade deadline is. Like maybe you're willing to handle it, or maybe you're you're considering handling it. I think that it was strategic. Jimmy uh, did this this close to. The um to the sorry training camp. The question is, will it matter? Because Thibodeau, I don't know if he's that that kind of strategist, 
uh, you know, uh, you know, strategy, strategy kind of guy that he's gonna like even think that this is what's happening. But I think that's what's happening. But shout out to Andrew Wiggins, man, because you know what? Like a lot of people, and rightfully so, are saying you don't want that smoke with Stephen Jackson. I totally get it because Stephen Jackson is a real street dude. Yes, he played in the NBA, but he is a dude from the streets, and that is not smoke that anyone really wants. But a dude saying you got no heart, you gotta say something. You can't take the high road. Yeah. So I respect Wiggins for calling Steven Jackson a bum. I think he knows Steven Jackson wasn't no bum. We all don't think Steven Jackson was a bum. But I do think that, like, that's kind of been the, the, the problem that I think this generation, could, like I said, which has been something we see on Twitter every single day, uh, has had with the old generation where it's always the get off my lawn, you suck kind of thing. And I'm sorry. I'm glad someone said they had enough. And now, God forbid, he runs into Stephen Jackson. I don't know what will happen, but in terms of standing up for himself, I think that was good. I hope we. I'm always been a Wiggins fan. Uh, I've really pretty much sold my stock on him, but I hope that he can also just like, uh, um, what's the name? I hope that he could turn it around. I hope he has a. I hope he has a good year. So that's a, a lot on Jimmy Butler here. Let's try to move through the show. Uh, quickly, some of this other stuff. Can what did you make of the Sixers uh, sign uh, uh, making Allen Brand their general manager? I thought that it was a welcome move from the sense that I took joy in seeing a former player who cut his teeth through the organization. He came from the ground, not, not completely from the ground up, obviously, but like he 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 was you know an underling, and he didn't just come in saying I won a top job. He really did work for it. And despite a lot of other candidates that were going for that job, he impressed Sixers enough to where they hired him. And like I was at a conversation with a good friend of the show, Jason Bisnoff, on Twitter about it. And I went on about how I thought it was good that a former player got this shot. And he said, well, as a journalist, and we get this a lot, you know, sometimes you get this thing of like, oh, well, if you played, you didn't play, you don't know anything about the sport. And like the fact that we have had all these guys recently who don't play in the NBA, getting these shots at GMs have been great which I also agree with, but the problem I I look at it, uh, the way I look at it is I think it's been very heavy-handed recently where those non-players who are mostly non-white, I think the only black players who didn't play but are somehow uh, getting general managers, I think only Masai and Kobe Altman, I think are the only guys that were um, non-players that ended up. And Kobe Altman, I think, played college, like low-level low college ball. But all the other guys who've been going through the GM list were all whites that have gotten that opportunity. So the league is like 70 or 65 or whatever it is, is mostly black. And uh, when you shut out the former players the way they, the league has recently, the, the likelihood is you're going to end up not having a lot of black executives if you continue to just keep hiring guys who didn't play the game. So I thought that was great that the Sixers did that. I'm wishing Elton Brand a lot of luck because, of course, he's not too far away from New York in terms of where he's from. He's from Peekskill, which is about maybe an hour, hour and a half north of the city. Um, so there's a lot of excitement with that move. And, of course, the new video of Markel Fultz's jump shot as well. What did you make of those two uh, two developments happening over in Philly? Yeah, I mean, on the Elton Brand thing, um, I mean, Elton Brand has gone come up I mean, he's, he's, he's a fast riser, but it's not as if they gave him the job right after he retired. He's 
did the D League. You know, he was the GM of the, the Delaware 87ers. And, exactly. um, like, he, over this interim period, he'd been with the organization, with the, the main club for a while now. So, um, it's not like this came completely out of left field. If I were, look, if I were a Sixers fan, um, I would have preferred they gone after Gerson uh, Rosas, who was Daryl Morey's right-hand guy in uh, Houston. Um, Did they do that already with Hinky? This is true. This is true. Um, I don't think that, I don't know what his background is. I don't know if he's like a, I never got the sense when I've heard him in interviews that he's a complete, like, analytics guy. Uh, I don't know if he comes from that background, but um, I, you know, and they also interviewed Justin Zanuck, who's a GM, assistant GM in uh, Utah. Both guys have, are high profile, have high profiles in NBA circles. Uh, and I think the guy they wanted but couldn't get is Mike Zarin, who's the GM of the Celtics. But the idea is that he's not going to leave uh, because he knows that he's going to be the guy after Danny Ainge. But uh, and he is more in that hinky Daryl Morey like analytics background, analytics driven background. So he would have been perfect for them. But apparently they reached out and he didn't really call back. So he left them on red. <laughs> exactly. So they're now they're stuck. I wouldn't say they're stuck with Elton Brand, but they made the choice to go to Elton Brand after they looked. They looked at two other guys, two other high profile executives in the league. So, I mean, look, you have to look at this and say, and also there's talks that they also went after Daryl Morey and they went after R.C. Buford, but that those guys turned it down in part because it sounds like the owner wants more say in basketball decisions, Josh Harris. And it sounds like Brett Brown will also have major say in basketball decisions. So if that's the case, Ellen Brand seems like the guy you go after. It's unfortunate that it has to come to, like, we're only going to hire Elton Brand if, you know, he doesn't have full power. But at the same time, Elton Brand isn't as historically qualified to be the GM based off of what precedent is set. So, because uh, he didn't go up that long, long ladder of I was the assistant GM for eight years for a championship team and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but hopefully here's to Elton Brand maybe becoming a precedent of guys showing like I can come from playing for your organization two years ago to being your GM and doing it smoothly. And what we'll appreciate what I appreciate about brands grind was that, like you said, it wasn't, this wasn't a guy who was working at, you know, NBA TV. Yeah. It wasn't working at ACM. Like, Yo, give me a job. Like, like, cause that's been like some of the complaints, the little bit we've heard of like, okay, well, why aren't you guys hiring these? coaches or to be GMs and things like, well, do these guys really want to do the work? Because whenever you suggest they be an assistant or something, they say, no, I just want to get the job. I want to be the top guy. And there's a little bit of fairness, I think, honestly, in that critique. But Ellen Brand didn't do that. Ellen Brand came in and he, like I said, he, he worked with the G League team. He came up with the team as an assistant in the front office with the main team. And he's impressed to the point where uh, now he's the guy. I was actually surprised when I saw him at the lottery. I was like, oh, oh man. They like they think of him that highly that they made him their representative. I I that was nothing. For the Sixers. 
Right, he played for them, but like he wasn't that good for them. <laughs> yeah, they just brought him in. At least the most recent one. Yeah, they the most recent stint. They just brought him in just to mentor Joel Oak for because he was. Yeah, I mean that'd be like you know, you know the Knicks bringing back Eddie Curry. <laughs> like, um, yeah, I mean, he did play for them, but I don't know if that's a guy I would bring in to be like the team ambassador or whatever. So, so I'm happy Elton Brand, and I'm happy for Markel Fultz. Because if you didn't see guys, this, he posted this. Uh, uh, he did a, a long form um, feature with the Players Tribune, and including that was a video finally of his jump shot that we've all been waiting to see. And I think he looks pretty good. It looks a little different than how he used to shoot, but like it's not that much different. Yeah, I'm I'm a little worried, man. A little worried. He was knocking them joints down though. Sometimes yeah, not I look. I want to see it in game. I'm sure he can hit shots in game because if you weren't, we'd be talking about how he's not going to play. But um, I'm, I'm, it just, it's just different, man. It's yeah, it is. But, but it's not easy to like do shot. It's not easy to even in a gym with no one guard, you make six, seven threes in a row, which is what he was doing in those videos. Yeah. Now I also saw like Willie Cauley Stein make like ten threes in a row <laughs> during the free yeah, that, that not, not translating at all <laughs> in any like real basketball, but I am intrigued, and this young guy still has a lot of ability, so he's no one pick for a reason. I hope that he's able to show why, because I think the kid still can be really good. And if they got him and Embiid and Simmons, I mean, then you're really talking about a star or something special. If Markel can get back to what he was before, well, let's uh, let's move on. Can I talk some football? So let's start off with. Um, the circus that is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And let's be honest, Kendall, it's hard for me to even like saying those words even seems weird because the six, the, the Steelers have always been the model, one of the model franchises in the league. Like you looked at the Patriots and like really after that it was probably the Steelers. It's not the Steelers, the Packers. Like those were the three teams you looked at and said, okay, who are the model franchises that all teams are trying to be like? And to see their own to start and see the dysfunction that we've had. Um, it makes me ask the question that's being asked this week, uh, and for those who maybe are catching up, of course, Le'Veon Bell still no show, um, still subtweeting the team when they lose. <laughs> so you have that situation. You had a uh, frustrated uh, Antonio Brown on the sidelines during their loss to the Chiefs. You also had him uh, not show up to work in uh, on on what was it Tuesday or a couple of days ago, um, and then. When he was challenged by a guy on Twitter about it, who wasn't, he didn't even add him. I think he just tweeted about the fact that you know AB should be lucky because he he's only as good. He's only which is ridiculous. Which is a terrible take. That is one of the coldest, <laughs> worst takes maybe I've seen on Twitter. So I kind of like I kind of get why AB went at him because like for him saying something that stupid, I probably also would have said something because that was crazy out of pocket. Say that AB, See, I would have just like I would have just been Roethlisberger. I would say Ben Roethlisberger has been holding him back the last year or two. Fair enough. I would have just put laughing emojis at the guy. Yeah, I like that. Turn with that however you will. Maybe it's a shot at Ben. I don't know, but but regardless, I guess AB took the said the only thing maybe he could say without really slamming Ben, which was let's trade me and see what happens. Which even that was still probably a little bit of a slight, but anything else he would have said would have been bashing Ben. So he yeah, responded. Yeah. He probably shouldn't have responded. And uh, and that caused a controversy, of course, suggesting that they should trade him. Then Mike Tomlin says, yes, he did not show up, but we will discipline him. 
I don't think we. I still don't think we know what that discipline was. I don't think they've even said whether or not no. it's fine. Uh, we don't think it's a suspension, but the players don't even know. I think I forgot one of the defenders was like. Uh, I think it was Hayward. He was like, I don't think he's suspended. I don't think that's what they're going to do, but I don't make the rules here. Which I'm like, so you don't know what the, the, the team doesn't even know what discipline is for their best player? I don't know. This is a mess. And it brings me to the question that's being asked, is Mike Tomlin lost control of this team? Uh, yeah, I mean, I said this last week, EJ. I don't know if you remember, but I was it last week or was it during the, the preview where I was like, I think, I think it was my, last week. Because I was talking about like, Antonio Brown trying to fight reporters and oh, yeah, Le'Veon, yeah, Le'Veon Bell. And I was like, this team has just lost its mind. <laughs> can't, beat the, can't beat the Browns. Why aren't we talking about Mike Tomlin more? And now it just got even crazier a week later. So, yes, Mike Tomlin has lost control of the locker room. More so than he had lost control of the locker room the week before that. Um, and what's weird is that, look, Mike Tomlin... I would love it if you were the coach of the Vikings. Maybe not as much as Mike Zimmer, because Mike Zimmer does an excellent job. But I think he's an excellent coach. I think if he were let go, I'd love it if the Pittsburgh Panthers, my football team, my college football team, decided to make a run at Mike Tomlin. I don't think he would take the job. But (laughs) (laughs) But I I, I would love it. Um, I think Mike Tomlin should be on the top of any team's list if he were let go by Pittsburgh. With that being said, sometimes you just lose the locker room. Sometimes you're just not winning championships every year, and you're not, and you've been there an X amount of years. Your voice is just not going to be heard anymore. And I feel like we may have had this discussion last week, but mm-hmm. that's what it feels like with this team. It feels like you got star players losing their minds week in and week out. I'm just waiting for the Juju Smith Schuster controversy. Uh, it hasn't happened. I'm not surprised he's been so quiet. Probably yeah, he's, he's the loudest mouth on the team. No, he's, he's the guy he's that's he's getting the ball. Yeah, he's playing well. He's like, uh, yeah, AB keeps th- continue to bug out so I can get more targets. <laughs> but help my fantasy, my my fantasy stats. But um, no, this team is is it's a train wreck right now, and they look like a team that won't win more than six games, which would I think result in Mike Tomlin's dismissal. Yeah, I mean sometimes. Man, your time just comes as a head coach. And for Mike Tomlin, he's been there what, almost a decade now, however long it's been. Like Sometimes the team just decides they're not going to listen to you anymore because that, it, to me, is very clearly what's happening. This is a guy who always had a very tight ship, and you had the guy slandering uh, Le'Veon Bell for season. Then you had the guys um, – then you had the guys – then you had uh, – you know, Le'Veon Bell, you know, started tweeting them when they were losing. Yeah, you've had A.B. just walling out for the last two, three weeks. For a guy who rarely really does that. Like, A.B. is, first of all, crumbling. he's a charismatic dude. Um, the media have had their issues with him in terms of his availability, which has started some of this controversy we're dealing with and dealing with him. But I do wonder if there is some... Not really a problem, child. They, they said... The reason he mispracticed was a personal matter or a family matter. Yeah. If you read the the article I was reading about him, the undefeated, they talk about some family stuff. So I do wonder if that stuff is starting to, you know, his personal life is starting to interject into his football career. Because like he said, he hasn't had these kind of problems before. I mean, 
He's a loud mouth. He's, a little, he's been a little bit of a loud mouth, but what star receivers aren't? That's both guys. He's a personality. And but he hasn't been a problem for the Steelers at all, really, in his time there. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is new. And really the first sign was when he talked about wanting to go to Atlanta in the offseason. Like that was weird. We kind of laughed it off, like, ha ha ha, it'd be great if Julio Jones and Antonio Brown were on the same team. But that was the first sign of like this guy is kind of he's kind of bugging out. I mean, you can't be on contract under contract and talking about playing for another team. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't think this ends with the Steelers as a playoff team. I think this ends with Mike Tomlin coaching another team next year, or coach, or doing TV, or coaching in college. I mean, it's hard. The way they look, and like to be fair, they put up points last week. But I think what's so alarming was how. The teams like switched basically. The, the both sides of the ball switched in their performances. First game, their defense was pretty much outstanding, and they dominated really the Browns' offensive and in terms of the Browns' offense. And the, the it was the Steelers' offense that struggled mightily and was very sloppy in the rain in Cleveland. And this week, I mean, Mahomes was just carving up like a like a Thanksgiving turkey, and the offense tried to keep them in the game, and they were putting up points. But they just couldn't keep up with the Chiefs big plays. So that's that's unfortunate. You hope maybe that if you're a Steelers fan, that they could maybe put those two games together. But when you see both, especially this last week, they start off so slow and so out of the gate. It just looks like that to me is always a sign of a team that really isn't ready to play. And whenever a team isn't ready to play, that's always on the head coach. It, they could have been prepared well. They could have been um Scouting, they, they could have done their scouting. It could have been in the right places, but it, it when a team doesn't start well, to me, is because they're not in the right mind mind frame, and the coach is very much in charge of that. So, I hope Mike Tomlin can turn it around. But to me, it's not looking very good. And if this was his last year in Pittsburgh, that would not surprise me. Kendall, we got to talk about some of these uh, quarterbacks that are really been turning heads this season. Pat Mahomes. Um, had the most quarterback, most touchdowns in the first two games in the history of the NFL. He has what ten touchdowns, I believe, in in two games, which yes. is, just, I mean, that's just insane. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, he's averaging five touchdowns a game. Um, this is for a guy who never started before this season. This is his first year as a full time starter. He was the first round pick for the Chiefs last year. Blake Bortles had a very impressive win this week against. The uh, the Patriots, and I thought it was a good bounce-back game. I didn't think he played good against the Giants at all. But uh, he badly outplayed Tom Brady in that game, and he lit it up. He threw four touchdowns and almost 400 yards in that win. And then, Kendall, do you believe in Fitzmagic? Because I think the Tampa Bay people are starting to believe because Ryan Fitzpatrick once again put together another impressive performance and may have had the best uh, post-game outfit I've ever seen. I mean, I was laughing for way too long when I saw that he went to the press conference with LaShawn, with uh, Deshaun Jackson's uh, the outfit, which was like a warm-up jacket, five chains, and some huge sunglasses. And like, it just, I mean, he just looked, he looked like a, like a, like a, like a, like a rich Russian mobster in Brooklyn. <laughs> like, he, just, he looked, with that beard and stuff, like he looked ridiculous, but it was funny and it was awesome. And I like that he's having fun with uh, this great star he's had. He looked like uh, he looked like the notorious MMA. 
Yeah, Conor McGregor. Looks like Conor McGregor. I know a lot of people kept saying that. That's crazy. That I think that Conor McGregor, I guess, looks like a Russian mobster from Brooklyn. But that's kind of what that look looks like to me. Like white dude, scruggly beard, chest hair, but like open jumpsuit. I don't know. That, that's what that reminds me. I feel like you he could look be, like Bradva. <laughs> you could be Bradva in, in Arrow, or you could be uh, part of Red's uh, family in uh, in if you watch Orange is the New Black. But Kendall, the, the clock is gonna strike midnight possibly on one of these guys of these three guys, which guy are you most believing in, in terms of them being able to sustain their play? Which guy do you think will turn into a pumpkin soon enough? Uh, I think the, I think Pat Mahomes is for real. I think, you know, I talked about him before the season, how I didn't love this Kansas city team, but I thought that their offense would see a jolt with Mahomes. I didn't think he'd be this good. I didn't think that he would be the catalyst. I thought it'd be the guys around him would help him be more productive than Alex Smith was. But it seems like he's very much the best player on that team right now. And he's making everything tick for that team. And he's taking advantage of every weapon they have. Um, I didn't think they had the best, you know, group of weapons in the league. But... It, I mean, I did think that, look, they were being underutilized with Travis Kelsey and uh, Kareem Hunt and Tyreek Hill. But it feels like he's he's taken those guys and turned them into studs, like absolute studs. Uh, and that's something that I don't know if I would have expected. Uh, so it looks like Mahomes is for real. I would not be surprised if he were in the MVP conversation. Um Similar to how Deshaun Watson was in the MVP conversation last year until he got hurt. How Wentz was in it. I don't think he's going to win it, but I, I mean, don't be surprised if he's top 10, top 5, which would be would have been ridiculous to say before the year. Oh, he's number 1 <laughs> today. What? Right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. No, right now, yeah, I would say he's number 1. Some would say the other guy that we're talking about, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, I think the biggest fluke, that's tough. I don't think Blake Bortles is good. I'll preface it by saying that. But I don't think he's a fluke. I would say Blake Bortles is just productive because he's on a very good team. So while I, I give him his credit, he played very well last week. And I can't just say the other guy made him play good because we've also seen Blake Bortles play bad on a good team. But I don't think that Blake Bortles is a good quarterback. I, I think he had a good game. Uh, there's it's a 16 week, 17 week season, 16 game season. He's going to have bad games also. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go crazy. That, if anything, I think, I think that loss or that win said more about New England than it did about Jacksonville. I think we may have to start paying attention to what you were saying last week about New England possibly being average this year. Uh, but I would say it's Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, Deshaun Jackson's talking about he should be the starter going forward. Um, that's been the talk right now. I think it's nonsense. I understand Fitzpatrick's playing great. I understand, you know, the whole Case Keenum conversation of this is what happened last year, and Keenum was the guy up until the end of the season, even though Bridgewater came back and was healthy. They stuck with Keenum because of how great he was playing, and he never gave the job back. But Jameis Winston was the number one pick in the draft. He's your franchise quarterback. Do you think even if they win this week, that you have to go back to Jameis Winston? Ah, oh, man. If they win... Look, I keep I do the same thing I said last week, last year, the Vikings fan. 
I leave Fitzpatrick in there until he screws up. Which, look, with Case Keenum, that's what Zimmer said every week. And Case Keenum every week came out there and balled out until the NFC Championship game, which at that point it was too late to put Bridgewater in. But I, that's the that's the most, that's the, that's the pressure I put on Fitzpatrick. Keep balling out. If I'm putting too much pressure on you, you're gonna crumble, and we're gonna go to our franchise quarterback. If you play outstanding like you have all year, then you're the guy, and we're winning games. And I'm a great coach. I'm a genius coach. But I'm mm-hmm. not gonna be worried about killing the confidence of Ryan Fitzpatrick. We're putting pressure on Ryan Fitzpatrick because I, I'm, at the end of the day, I want James Winston as my quarterback. Just like I think Mike Zimmer wanted Teddy Bridgewater as his quarterback. But yeah. Keenum plays great. There's nothing you can do about it. So the same with Fitzpatrick. I don't want to dwell on that part of the conversation, but for me, I can't disagree because I can't help but ask the I can't agree because I can't help but ask the question. Has Jameis earned that right with his not only with his questionable leadership, but with his play? He hasn't, and similar to Teddy Bridgewater. It, Bridgewater didn't earn it as well. But At least Bridgewater went to the playoffs. Similar with Bridgewater. Winston's got a contract that's coming up. Right. And so you need to know, is this guy the guy? With the Vikings, we never got that answer, so we just let Bridgewater walk, and we paid Kirk Cousins. We got lucky that another guy came up. Had Kirk Cousins not been on the market, we would still be – we probably would have paid Case Keenan $15 million and been like, man, we have an average quarterback of a guy. Instead of knowing whether or not Bridgewater is the guy or not. But, Kendall, am I crazy to think that if you are sitting here and you're saying, I don't know, which is what Dirk Cutter is doing right now, I don't know, I'm not going to commit to either quarterback right now, doesn't that tell you all you need to know about James Winston? To me, that tells me what you should know. You've seen him in practice all training camp. It wasn't like he couldn't practice, right? I believe he was practicing. Can you? But can you take out Ryan Fitzpatrick? Like you said, if he goes 3-0, I mean, there are only five, six quarterbacks in the league that I think would unseat Ryan Fitzpatrick if they missed these first three games. Like Rodgers, Brady. There's more quarterbacks than that. Rodgers, Brady, you know, Breeze, Russell Wilson. Ben Roethlisberger uh, is coming back if, regardless of what happens with his backup quarterback. With these three games? Yes. Ben Roethlisberger is coming back. That's and that's no, all just pure seniority. But is Ben Roethlisberger better than James Winston? Is that even good for the football team? Ben, James, ben Roethlisberger is better than James Winston. It, the last thing I saw from James Winston, Roethlisberger is very uneven and and he can be shaky. But I would take him in a big game with James Winston ten times over and twice on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I I look I. You know I've loved James Winston's ability. I think he can still play. Hey, look, he's uh, only 24 years old. I just think that for in a league that is a win-now league and uh, a not-for-long league, I don't know if I could say for sure that regard, pretty much regardless of what happens, I'm going back to James Winston. Not only because of his play, but add on the off-the-field stuff. This guy's act like a clown pretty much ever since he's been there. Like, I'm just keep it 100. Like, like he's supposed to be your quarterback, and this is how he's been acting off the field. At what point do you say, you know what, you got to show me why you deserve to go back in the game. And until then, I'm going to let the bearded one continue the ball out, and maybe if he loses a spot, you'll get your chance back. In this league, you almost always get a second chance, whether it's on this team or another team because of injuries, 
freak things happen. I think Jameis will probably his chance this year, regardless of what happens with Fitzpatrick playing well, just because that's how the NFL works. But I, I think that this is not he's not in, he's not in a position to just be handed anything anymore to me on the box. Now, if I'm a team that signs him next year, that's different. But to me, he's worn out anything in terms of me handing him anything for for the rest of his career, unless he turns it around. But until then, he's got to earn everything he, he gets. I can't just go to him regardless of what happens with Fitzpatrick. But in terms of where I think this stays, this lies, I, I, I'm going to say I agree. I think Mahomes is the most is, – is the guy I most believe in. Mahomes – is I think a star in the making. The kid, you you let me tell you what, man. I I I'm not someone who's afraid to say I was wrong about something, but man, you really illustrated before the season the potential that Mahomes had with these weapons to make those guys look a lot better than they did with Al Smith. And I completely disagreed. I said, no, Al Smith's a very good player. Um, yes, he's not a big play guy, but I, I think the, I think the team won't be that much better with Mahomes at center. And I could not be more wrong. Like these guys look explosive and they are explosive players, but it's because they have a real gunslinger now uh, 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 hitting targets behind center. So you were right about that. I will take the L on that completely. Mahomes is for real. In terms of Bortles of Fitzpatrick, in a weird situation, I, I think they're kind of both fluky, but I'm going to say Bortles is more fluky because I think that if you expect him to play like he did against the Patriots, that will not happen very often. Fitzpatrick has shown he is going to let you down at some point, but he's shown he could play well for a long period of time, like a long period of time. And you, you think where you think he's really good. And then at some point the cliff comes like Carter has shown Atlanta that he can coach some office of football and he may be cooking up some stuff that, uh, Ryan's really comfortable with, and I think Ryan probably has the best receiving core he, maybe he's ever had. When you look at Deshaun, looking at much younger, Michael Evans, Chris Godwin, that's a very, very nice three uh, three guys to throw to. And then OJ Howard got into the mix this week, so he's got some weapons. I think could he get them to the playoffs and they win 10, 11 games? I could see that happening, and him playing really well. Now in the playoffs. He's a, it's like something's going to happen and he's going to look like Fitzpatrick. But I see that happening more than Bortles now becoming like a real like gunslinging type of quarterback that we saw this week. I don't see that happening. He's too erratic. Bortles is very, very up and down. But Ryan Fitzpatrick is normally like he's really good for a while. And at some point, he's just going to fall off a cliff. That's will happen at some point. I just don't think it's going to happen as soon as Blake Bortles reverting to his off-week, on-week play that we've seen for him, really, for the last two or three years. Yeah. Yeah, I would say I, I'm not... I, when it comes to Bortles, like I said, I, he kind of is what he is. Um, right. You know, I, I don't... I, I can't say he's a bum. Look, I, I he's, a, he's not good uh, enough. I, don't, I still don't think he's good enough to win a Super Bowl. So that's really what it comes down to. Like, um... They're going to win games because they have great players on Jacksonville's roster. They won this week without Leonard Fournette. But that was a very impressive win by the Jaguars. Yeah, very impressive win. But I, I wouldn't count on Blake Bortles to win you games in the future. Kendall, what should we make of this Josh Gordon signing? 
One, what should we make of him being traded in the, after two weeks? And what should we make of him signing with the Patriots? Um, it's I don't know. I mean, the Browns they must have felt they could get nothing out of this guy. That or they just felt this guy the ticking time bomb. We gotta get rid of him while we have a shot. The only time his value is anything. Um, the reports right now, and they're coming out pretty recently, is that they were upset. Brown was Gordon wasn't in great shape. He wasn't in football shape. Yeah, which probably makes sense. Uh, he took training camp off. So yeah, yeah, you know, like I, I wouldn't be shocked. But um, for New England, I think this has to be considered a win. You got a guy that has the talent to be a top flight guy. Where I mean, he might end up being a Pro Bowler this year. Or he could end up playing three games. I don't know if there's much middle ground between that between the two with Josh Gordon, but um, I don't hear the Randy Moss comparisons. Obviously, I'm a Randy Moss fan. You know, it's why I love the Minnesota Vikings. But I, I don't want to hear this could be Randy Moss 2.0 because oh, Josh yeah. Gordon never as good as Randy Moss wasn't isn't as good now as Randy Moss was in Oakland, which is saying something. But you know, isn't as good as talent wise, didn't have as I don't think he has as much juice as Randy Moss did. Uh only because we haven't seen Josh Gordon legitimately play in like it feels like eight years. But um so no, I, I can't talk about uh Randy Moss, but this could certainly help this New England team. A team that was low on running on wide receivers. I'm gonna make a very, very hyperbolic statement here. Are you ready for this? Kendall? Josh Gordon is the most overrated athlete in America. The most overrated athlete in America. The most overrated professional athlete in America. I've never. I it doesn't. I don't understand so much talk about a guy who was good five years ago. Literally five years ago. I'm not exaggerating. Josh well, Gordon. I mean, he was the, year, a, the year when he had that huge year, he when was he great, almost 1600 yards, and it was insane what he was doing every week. That was five years ago. I know he's 27, so like the idea is that he shouldn't have fallen off that much. But he, in the few times he's played, we've seen him come back. He hasn't looked like the guy that from five years ago. He's had some good games. He's had some explosive games, but. I, I just don't – I'm so tired of talking about Josh Ward. And it has nothing to do with him in terms of his personal demons. I really hope that he does get over that, of course. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about what he could be as a player. If there was any other athlete that five years ago they were an elite player and five years later after doing nothing, we would be asking, oh, can this guy you know, be a dominant player? We would not do that for any other player. And I know he's had extremely – extremely different circumstances than most other athletes. But sometimes you just got common sense has got to come into play. I haven't seen the guy be an elite player in five years. Now I'm just thinking he's going to be an elite player because he's with the Patriots. Yeah, it's like really. I, I can't go that far. Even though I know what the Patriots do to these kind of guys, a lot of people were scared. A lot of people are saying, here we go again. Even I initially said, here we go again. But we also forget like those guys that Belichick signs and like he cuts in a week because like they yeah. can't get the playbook. I, I, that, this could very well end like that. That's the point. That's the thing that I thought of when he immediately got traded was there's better chance. There's a better chance this is Albert Hainsworth than it is this Randy Moss. 
Exactly. Everyone's talking about Randy Moss, but we forget about. I mean, Ocho Cinco was a Ocho Cinco. I was gonna say exactly. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, this stuff doesn't always work. And look, we talked about Andrew Bynum coming back a couple. I think it was last week, and look, that's another guy hasn't played in like five years. Is he all of a sudden like, if the Warriors signed him, would people start going crazy about the league's broken? Oh, what about the when Celtics they yeah. signed Andrew Bynum? Will be saying Star Wars is is upon us. Andrew Bynum doesn't move the needle because he hasn't played in half a decade. <laughs> That's what right. it feels like with Josh Gordon. Like, yeah, like we didn't go crazy. Like, yo, Andrew Bynum is working out now. There's a chance that he's still young. Like, we didn't do. We don't do that for any other. We laughed at the guy. Right. We we like, and we all we, we wished him well last week. But like, yeah, like we like the. I mean, like the masses laughed at the right, idea of right, Andrew Bynum coming back. Like, right, why? This, why is playing. right? And that's how we normally take these guys like this. Josh Gordon can prove me wrong, but again, it's not like he hasn't played at all since. He's played since. In li- this year, he hasn't done anything. Last year, he was... Was he a top 20 receiver last year in the games he played? Maybe? Top 20? I don't uh, know if he was. Nah. I mean, I can't see that. Like, so... Now, like, he, like, my- we, we, like we, we, we spend so much media capital on covering the potential of Josh Gordon. And it's getting ridiculous. Now, I, my last thing on this Josh Gordon thing is that I the only thing I'll say is you do wonder if it's because he's been playing Cleveland. And he's had the obviously inept number of quarterbacks that he's had. I say what, Juice Landry showed up in Cleveland. He's been balling since he got there. Yeah. I don't see him. I don't see him complaining. I don't see him making any excuses. He's doing his normal possession receiver stuff. Uh, he's on my. But fans. who's the other receiver that they've had in the last five years that's been any decent? No, they've all been terrible. They've all been terrible. I mean, those. At one point, the guys, was they've all been bad players. I don't think none of them have gone to any. None of them have gone to other places and been good. I mean, Corey Coleman was cut. Again, right. I, I feel like Josh Gordon is like the the Grim Reaper to Corey Coleman, man. He's like the 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 Reverse Flash. Well, not the Reverse Flash, the Black Flash, where you know he shows up and Corey Coleman gets cut. He's in Cleveland, then Josh Gordon comes back, he gets traded or he gets cut or whatever happened to him. Then he goes to New England and and Josh Gordon shows up and he gets cut again. I feel bad for that guy. Um, Kendall, let's do our new segment this week. Who was who was flames? Who was trash? I'm gonna go first. Who was flames this week? Kendall, Lionel Messi was flames this week because Lionel Messi. We all know the trial and tribulations he went through during the World Cup. Um, I'm pretty sure we talked about it on this show, where once again his uh, Argentina team failed to uh, advance past I think the quarterfinals of this year's World Cup. He was pretty much a non-factor for much of the tournament, despite. Billing as being perhaps the best player in the world, perhaps even the best player of all time. So, a lot of times as Americans, we jump into the soccer conversation and only talk about the World Cup, and then we all talk about how "quote unquote" bad Lionel Messi is and how overrated he is. I think it's fair to say that when he gets to club play, we understand why he's the bad man he is. In his first game in the Champions League, he scored a hat trick and a four nothing victory in uh, dominating PSV. Ian Hoven. So I just want to give Leo Messi a shout out because so many times when we talk about him in American media, it's just 
can why can't he win a big one in, yeah. in the World Cup? You need to mention recognize what this guy does on a regular basis. This is the kind of thing he does, like hat tricks, you know, in <laughs> games and things like that. He's ridiculous. So he's my uh, he's my flames for this week. Hopefully we'll be able to see Lionel Messi in America because there was a report this week that I forgot where it came from, but MLS executives, there's a feeling around the league that MLS executives expect uh, David Beckham's new Miami franchise, Inner Miami, which I'm not sure about the name, but it's different. So I'll give him, I'll give him a pass. But Inner Miami is planning on making a push to sign, a big push to sign Lionel Messi in the next like two years, or I think the hope is they, they can have him on the roster when they debut. But regardless, um, that would be groundbreaking. And that would be, I think what the MLS and what American soccer needs to break through and be mainstream. Like if Lionel Messi in the next two years was playing for the Miami franchise, people would be watching that nonstop. Those games would be must see TV and they'd be must-see in-person tickets. So that I, would be huge. I, mean, I have said that what's stopping American soccer and the MLS from taking off has been the lack of superstar talent here. Messi, if he signs within the next two years, would be uh, no older than 33. That's not bad to get a guy that good only at age 32 or 33. That's like and that what's good is that like pretty impressive. There, older, but he has a huge following, and he's also nasty still. I mean, like, yeah, like he's a great player. In like, two years, he's gonna be a top five player. Like you can't get like Mbappe. I mean, getting Mbappe would be great. That's not. Gonna yeah, it's never gonna happen. And also, like, he still hasn't really done anything. I mean, I mean, he's won a World Cup, so I think he hasn't done anything. <laughs> and he's like him and Pele have like a bunch of records now. So like, yeah, exactly. He's done more than most guys have done in their entire career. But, like, he hasn't done what Messi's done. So Messi right. will come in with a pedigree with billions of followers across the world, like, that Mbappe just doesn't have, even though he might be better than Messi by that point. So that's why I say, like, Messi would be the perfect guy besides Ronaldo to do it. And like you said, Messi's a little bit younger than Ronaldo. So age-wise, it would fit also. But who's uh, trash, EJ? Kendall, uh, for who is trash, I got to go with my man John Gruden. And I feel bad because I, I gave him a huge benefit of the doubt on our NFL preview show in that trade for Khalil Mack. Every week, Khalil Mack makes me look stupid saying that he hasn't been in. There have been questions about whether or not he's been truly the impact player that he needs to be for the Raiders to win. Uh, he's single-handedly uh, keeping the Browns in games with his first two weeks and how he's played. Uh, Josh, John Gruden, I'm sorry. Um, this week, once again... Repeated claims or repeated statements from last week as he continues to be asked, why can't the Raiders get a pass rush? Last week, he said something along the lines of, we need to find a way to get a pass rush. After days after, literally days after they traded a top five, top maybe top three pass rusher in the NFL. This week, when asked about what's the deal with the pass rush and the Raiders' inability to sack the quarterback, he said, quote, pass rushers are hard to find. Great ones. Even good ones. John Gruden just traded the in at least one, maybe the best. And you're making quotes about you not being able to find great pass rushers. Kendall, I know you were all the, thinking that he is trolling. It does not matter if he is trolling to me. 
this is ridiculous. This is stupid. I'm an Oakland Raider fan, or I'm the Oakland Raider. I'm the Oakland Raiders, period. Your team is 0-2. They've had two pretty embarrassing performances in their first two games. They do not look like a team that's very well coached. And either you look either you look uh, extremely over your head in these ridiculous quotes about your inability to find a pass rush and saying, I don't know where to find that kind of guy. Or you look really um, arrogant to continue to petty. poke a bear in a way in which you look really stupid because of how he's played. That look, You got to know when to cut your losses, John. Right now, you, you're taking a huge L. So for that reason, John Gruden is trash this week. Yeah. Uh, for me, EJ, um, what's Flames? I'm going to say that Space Jam 2 is Flames this week. And that, of course, is the movie that has been rumored for months, really years, to have been happening. There are plenty of guys thrown out there uh, to possibly play the role. Um, LeBron has been at the top of the list. You know, Blake Griffin has been a guy that's been thrown out there. Steph Curry, Kobe, uh, maybe even bringing Jordan back. But we finally, after months and years of speculation, got confirmation from LeBron James that he will be doing Space Jam 2. I am certainly very excited. Uh, it's not a Mount Rushmore movie for me. Uh, maybe a Mount Rushmore sports movie for me, though. And to see that, look, I don't love LeBron James, but he is obviously the only person that could be doing Space Jam 2. Uh, I understand. Look, I think Blake Griffin could have done a decent job because he's a funny guy. Uh at the time when it was talked about, he was a huge name and he had a outlier ability or an outlier skill of dunking the basketball. So I couldn't understand how he could have been a good fit, but he's just not the name Michael Jordan is. It would have looked like a cheap sequel. This LeBron James Space Jam 2, I mean, you can argue LeBron's a bigger figure than Jordan was when he did Space Jam. And I mean, that's, that's a, that's something that's saying something, obviously. So LeBron's the only guy with the magnitude to follow up Space Jam. Obviously, he had a deal with Warner Brothers that he signed recently that made this very obvious. You know, I've been saying for years now this was happening. Uh, once he signed a deal with Warner Brothers, and they gave him a they gave him a parking spot, they gave him an office, him and his boy Maverick Carter, an office at Warner Brothers. It became obvious that they were moving the decks to do Space Jam too, and part of the reason why I knew I was very, very, very positive he was going to end up with the Lakers. So um, good for LeBron, good for basketball. Uh, I'm very excited to see who else will be in Space Jam. Oh, and by the way, Ryan Coogler, who directed Black Panther, will be producing this movie. So, yes, very excited um, that. should be that should be big. Uh, I believe this is going to be his first project since Black Panther, so since he's not attached to Creed 2. Um, so that, I mean, that's also very exciting. So this should be fun. And there are those questions of is LeBron concentrated on basketball? I mean, as much as he can be. I think you know, I don't think he's trying going out, he don't think he's gonna go out there and try and lose games, but yeah. I do think that he will also be focusing very much on his Hollywood career. I think that'll to this day I'll real I'll acknowledge that I think that was his number one reason why he went to the Lakers. I think there's anyone who could balance those two things. It's LeBron James. I'm not too worried about that. 
Yeah, exactly. And what is trash for me, EJ? I'm going to go with uh, these uh, Deshaun Watson comments coming from uh, Texas uh, superintendent for, was it, I, I want to say it was a school superintendent, East Texas yeah. school superintendent. School superintendent, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to say his name because I'm not going to give him any uh, promotion. But uh, basically, um, on his uh, Facebook page, uh, after the Texans 0-2 start, Deshaun Watson hasn't played great in these two games. Uh, basically went out there and on his Facebook said that uh, I knew I shouldn't have trusted a black quarterback. And for obvious reasons, that's an ignorant, uh, racist comment. Um, I, I want to say the guy has come back and tried to backtrack, walk back his comments. But there, are, there is no walking that back. Uh, it's It's unfortunate. In this day and age that we're still talking about black quarterbacks as like inferior to mm. other quarterbacks, uh, you can't trust them. You know, I, what, what is it about black quarterbacks that you can't trust? Uh, I, I mean, to make it worse, Kendall, he in in his explanation he said he regretted his words, but then pointed to quote over the history of the NFL um, and said that they've had quote limited success. Yeah, I mean... That was a justification for his... The NFL has been an institution that's been around for well over half a decade. Um, We're not half a decade, half a century. And I would argue, look, I mean, it's hard to have more than limited success when you've had limited opportunity, first of all. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) But uh, if if we forget about anything that happened in the from the 80s to the 60s, or the 80s to the from the 50s to the 80s, when there were like were no black quarterbacks allowed or chosen, um, I would say that I would argue we have had plenty of success relative. Wilson, to- that guy's pretty good. He went Super Bowl. He went to two. Yeah, exactly. Um, I can't do won the MVP. I think he's pretty MVP. Good. Went to a Super Bowl. Randall Cunningham, uh, he was pretty good. I know we don't want to talk about Colin Kaepernick, but uh, he went to a Super Bowl as well. Super Bowl, he was pretty so, good. Um. There, there are plenty of plenty of black quarterbacks. Uh, I mean that. that straight, straight, hey, well, straight, by the way, good. Uh, his quarterback, who he can't trust, Deshaun Watson, was an MVP candidate before he got hurt last year. Of course, uh, could he? Would, did he not trust him when he revived the quarterback? When he revived the the franchise that had no quarterbacks, and that was the main point I wanted to make was that this clown. Is apparently a Houston Texans fan, and he's talking about I can't trust the black quarterback. When every other quarterback he's had in franchise history, I want to say he's been white, and for the most part, they've all been awful or <laughs> mediocre. Yeah. Now I'm not trying to say that white quarterbacks can't play because white quarterbacks are also very good. It doesn't really matter what your race is to play the quarterback position. Of course. But I mean, we're talking about this is the same guys talking about. You know, David Carr and Tom Savage and TJ Yates and Matt Schaub. And, I mean, yeah, you, you go down really the trust, You really trust those guys. Trust yeah, those guys. Yeah. You can trust those guys that not win games. Yeah, you know, I can trust those guys way more. Than, those guys are certainly more consistent than Deshaun Watson. I'll give you that. Just not on the, the right side of the consistency spectrum. So that's all I'll say about uh, 
this uh, East Texas high school superintendent. But uh, I think we should move on, though, from the trash uh, flame segment. Yeah, yeah. Let's leave him in the trash where he belongs. Uh, that was well said. I don't even got anything to say about it. You really hit everything out of the park. Well done, well done Kendall. Um, let's do the picks real quick, Kendall. Uh, New Orleans Saints at Atlanta Falcons. Uh, I was not very impressed with the Saints again two weeks in a row, which is kind of surprising and a little worrisome for me. As a team, Saints are a team that I think could win a Super Bowl, and they don't look like a Super Bowl team at all. So uh, they have a division rival, a team that they always used to seem to get up for when they play against the, the Falcons. I think they kind of own the Falcons, really, in, in those matchups. Who do you got this week? Falcons at home in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Hmm. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with... The, saying the Falcons versus the Saints? Yeah. I'm going to go with the Saints. I think the Saints haven't played great uh, this season, but I'm going to say they turn it around on the road. Uh, I don't think the Saints are a fluke. Right now, they look like the NFC team that we always talk about every year, what teams aren't going to make it from last year, what team's going to fall off. And the AFC looks like Pittsburgh, and the NFC looks like the Saints right now. Yeah. But I'm going to say that they turn it around and they revert back to the team that we saw last year. Um, I'm going to go with the Saints also, actually, surprisingly. Uh, the Falcons, to me, they definitely bounced back from uh, what was a, I thought, a pitiful performance against the Eagles in week one. And they played really well against the Panthers. But those are, that's a, that's a tough back-to-back, even at home. Two big division games you got to get up for. Those aren't easy, especially against two quality teams. And for me, for the Saints, you think that they got to get out of the funk at some point. And I go back to what I said before, that I think the, the Saints seem to play up for these Falcons. I think they feel like they can always beat them. I think that Sean Payton has always seemed to have the advantage in the coaching advantage, whether it be Mike Smith or now uh, Dan Quinn. At some point, similar to the Steelers, they got to put together a great offensive game and a great defensive game. This year, this week against the Browns, they were dominant defensively, but the offense couldn't seem to uh, – find the end zone uh first week they Fitzpatrick was just I mean he was just throwing all over the place all over them I'm gonna say that they they, they find that balance in a tough close game I'm gonna say the, the Saints win by a field goal let's go to the next one Kendall uh Chargers at Rams so uh LA matchup here which is pretty exciting I guess this is the first time these uh, we've had an LA matchup since whenever the last time the Raiders and the and the Chargers played back in the mid 90s so uh Chargers I think are kind of a sleeper team. I don't know why. No one's really paying attention to them, but they had, yeah, they a, had a very explosive week one. They um, did. Kind of fell back week two, but no, the Rams are going to win this one. Uh, I'll talk less about the game and more about the dynamic in Los Angeles right now is dangerously becoming it's, the Chargers are in danger zone right now because yeah. obviously the Rams have a super team in NFL uh, respects and the Chargers have no real stars that anybody in Los Angeles cares about. Melvin Gordon's the closest thing. He's not exactly the most exciting personality. It also hurts them when the team across the, across the street has a better running back that's also very young. So there, there's nothing the Chargers offer that the Rams don't offer. So also they play in a in an awful stadium. So there are plenty of reasons why the Chargers are in danger zone and in danger of becoming the little brother 
in Los Angeles after just two years. And they should be cognizant of that because you don't want to be the Clippers. You don't want to be the Brooklyn Nets. You don't want to be the uh, Angels. I mean, that that's the worst case scenario if you're the LA Chargers and you're the Spanos family. Yeah, that I, I've seen uh, some LA media saying that this is a massive game for the Chargers because of that, because of those reasons you mentioned. I think that it is. Uh, I don't think they'll win it though. I think the Chargers are pretty decent. Um, they got hit by a buzzsaw in Week One by Mahomes, but their offense still played pretty well. Last week they kicked the hell out of the Bills, which is what every team's going to do. So um, this is kind of this is a very very good test. For the around the the charges, but Phil Rivers has played some really good ball. I just don't think it'll be enough uh, for him to get out of the way of that massive pass for season see all all game. So I'm gonna say that the uh, Rams win a, a game maybe by about ten points. Uh, what about the Steelers on the road? Kendall Monday night against the um against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Do they write the ship and finally get their first win? Mm, I'm gonna say. No, I'm going to go Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay, as much as I want to not – not that I not that I don't root for Ryan Fitzpatrick because I'm, I'm happy for what he's doing, but as much as I want my guy Jameis Winston to get the job back, I, this team I don't think is a complete, complete fluke. Like, I think they're a fluke in the sense that Winston should be the guy and um, – they can't win with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. But I don't think they're a fluke in the sense that they also can't win with Jameis Winston at quarterback. Like, I think this is a team that has real players and is finally starting to click in a way that I thought they should have clicked last year or the year in the year before. So in that regard, I think we might be talking about a Tampa Bay team that is actually the better team come Monday, come Monday night. And I think that will result in a Tampa Bay win. Oh man, I hate to uh, I hate to agree with you again here, but I'm gonna say that the Steelers are gonna start 0-2 and one. Um, I, I'm gonna go with the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers have got a good vibe about them, and I don't. It's so hard with the Chargers and the Steelers, like what to make of their defenses after what Mahomes did to both of them. It's like okay, they got shelled, and then and then like you know, the Chargers played the Bills. Were a disaster, and the Steelers with the Browns were a disaster. So it's like it's hard to really judge what exactly those defenses are. But I was very alarmed at the defensive trend that we saw from Pittsburgh last year, and to me that looked like at the beginning of the downward trend we saw this week. It's a huge spot; everyone's watching. It just seems like a bad time to be facing a red hot team in the Buccaneers. Uh, they're clicking on all cylinders. I think that Ryan Fitzpatrick puts together not the games he's had, but I think a a solid game good enough game and the Steelers have been susceptible to the big play. I think they'll, they'll maybe give up one or two to Deshaun Jackson. That'll be the difference. I think the Bucks win a close one. Let's do a bonus game. Kendall, let's do uh Carson Wentz's return. He plays against the uh, Colts this week. He's been out of course, because of the uh, ACL injury. He finally got cleared to play. Nick Foles has not been very impressive in his first game, few games. So they're just kicking him to the curb and saying, all right, what's the short show now? So the Colts roll into the link this week. Who you got? I'm going with Indianapolis. I think this Eagles team, wow. uh, it's going to be tough, man. New quarterback, injuries at the receiver position. You're trying to reintegrate Jordan Matthews into the equation. You haven't had him in 
It feels like, or you haven't had him basically over a year. So I'm going to go Indianapolis on the road, upset. I think Luck has looked better than I expected. And I think they get a huge win for that team's confidence going forward. Eagles uh, are lucky to be one and one, by the way. They could have lost that first game very easily. You are very right. Very disappointing going to. Yeah, and like that game against the Bucs was not as close as it looked. They made it look close, made it interesting in the end, but they were dominated in that game. I'm going to say the Eagles win this game, so finally we get a difference here. They're going to be juiced to have Wentz back. I think this might be an emotional game. The link is going to be insane. Yeah, it's going to rock, man. I mean, he's a rock star in Philadelphia. And, and you know, this whole situation with his comeback, I think they've embraced that storyline. And especially for a city that, you know, made famous for Rocky, I think, that, like, getting knocked down and getting back up storyline for Wentz. I think they're going to really be excited. The link's going to be crazy. And uh, the Colts, I, I don't know really what to make of the Colts yet. I think I got to just keep watching them. Um, they weren't, they haven't been that explosive really in either of their first two games. But the Redskins have some, looks like some major issues with their offense with Alex Smith, which is a little worrisome right now. So uh, I, don't, I think they're going to have to score more than like 22 or 23 points to win this game, which is what they've been doing. I'm going to say the, the Eagles put up 30, and the Birds win by about 10 to 15, 14 points. I don't think this game will be that close. Uh, we're running out of time, Kendall, so let's get to uh, Kendall's court. What do you got to wrap this week? Uh, I'm going to talk about our boy, EJ, Stephon Marbury. Oh, you know, We talked about him last week. We talked about how he should be in the Hall of Fame. Well, I talked about that. You yes, did, did not want I, I, I thought it was in the right. Hall of Fame. And I'm going to have to retract my statement, EJ. After ready. You know, because my, my whole case for Marbury being in the Hall of Fame was that, you know, his contribution to the game of basketball on a global perspective made him a candidate in the same regard that Yao Ming is a candidate, for example. And what he said this week, he was talking, I don't know, he was doing one of his Marbury live streams that he's been famous for. Nick fans know exactly what I'm talking about. But, and... He was. Uh, Luckily, now he's not eating Vaseline anymore. That's good. He's yeah, no. And I guess I don't know. He, he he started talking about Zion Williamson for for whatever reason. Duke freshman, you know, obviously mixtape balls life mixtape legend, uh, incredible dunker, gonna be one and done. Gonna be a top five pick next year. And he says Zion Zion is gonna destroy the whole planet. I, again, a little exaggeration there, but it's Stephon Marbury, so you take him at his word. And then he says. <laughs> Zion is way better than LeBron. Wait, what? Pause. Wait, what? He he doubles down by saying it's not even close. Whoa, (laughs) wait, whoa, whoa, what? And he goes on to say he doesn't. He he said he don't have to touch a basketball, and he's better than LeBron James. I said that, and then said, and he goes on to explain his reasoning. He was like, the reason why Zion has a chance to be better than LeBron. And the reason why LeBron isn't better than Jordan is because LeBron can't shoot. Now, he says what? that Zion's the only guy that has a chance to pass LeBron James. Okay. Clearly, we, now we have to summarize all that. Clearly, LeBron, or clearly Marbury is high on Zion Williamson. Clearly, he feels... Maybe, LeBron, high, on, maybe high on something else. I really hope not. <laughs> yeah, 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 probably. But hopefully he's Vaseline. But, uh, <laughs> Maybe that was just actually nothing else more dangerous. <laughs> but uh, 
So he thinks LeBron's not better than Jordan. I mean, plenty of people feel that way. Because LeBron can't shoot. Eh. I mean, I would say LeBron can shoot now, but over the course of his career, yeah, you can make the case. He, wasn't the, he hasn't been the best shooter. But the inconsistency is that he said that Zion Williamson, who's a guy that's known for having no jump shot, a non-shooter, is better than LeBron James. He makes and the case. And it's because LeBron can't shoot. Because LeBron can't shoot. That doesn't make any sense. Right. When I, Look, I know Marbury isn't watching the film I'm watching. Are, are there – I'm sure he didn't watch the Duke Canada tour, so I'm sure he didn't see Zion shooting well in that over that period. I'm sure he's seen the balls like a mixtape, though. And there are very very few, if not no, jump shots in those <laughs> mixtapes. So yeah. how do you how can you say that Zion Williamson can shoot, but LeBron can't shoot? Or how can you say Zion Williamson is better? Because you didn't say Zion can can shoot, but you said he's better than LeBron because LeBron can't shoot. So look, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he's saying that Zion Williamson is a better prospect than LeBron was when he came out. I mean, I, hope I will give him that, which is the word, And the quote you he's speaking in present tense. He said he's better than LeBron. He said and he's not even close. Not that he couldn't shoot. Everything he's saying there is present tense. Yeah. Which is alarming. Yes, it is very alarming. I, I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't uh, take him seriously. Is that ridiculous? But it wouldn't be the first I mean, time. I'm talking about a, a, a potential Hall of Famer here. I mean, if there are any other potential Hall of Famers saying this, we'd be talking about this like it's crazy. <laughs> but it's Marbury, and he's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, where to begin? Um, and not take a million years. Um, look, I, look, me and you, I think, are on the same page about Zion that he's looking more and more like a force of nature. I, that is going to be a problem. Uh, look, I made the case to you off camera a couple weeks ago, and I, apparently you had the same feeling even though we never talked about this but mm-hmm. i think zion williamson is my number one prospect going into the season yes we talked about that off camera and me and you both agree with that he I, is I in the class of athlete the bo jacksons the yes, lebrons the yeah. dominiques the Deion sanders the randy moss guys that are so athletic that they can't bust. urban legends you just can't urban legends. what they are yeah you've never seen him you'll never see him again but he's gonna be a great player just off of pure athleticism, and just with enough skill to where he can do. He knows what he's doing. He's not Anthony Bennett. He's not, you know, some of these names that have been thrown. Julius Randle. He's better than these guys. Yeah, yeah. Just off of pure athleticism. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes then, sometimes sometimes the guy is just more. And R.J. Barrett. I love R.J. Barrett, but I've seen R.J. Barrett before. And he right. might be Demar Derozan. He, I don't know what he is, but I've seen shooting guards that can score. You know. Can play all three levels, blah 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 blah. Zion Williams is a guy I I, I don't I haven't seen that guy. I've never seen six a guy. six that jumps like he's you know prime Michael Jordan jumps like he's Dominique and I mean, the people he weighs two hundred ninety pounds. I mean Barkley is Barkley when he was at Auburn and when he first got to Sixers was the closest thing we were yeah, saying the closest thing. But like uh like Zion, but Barkley was fat. I mean, yeah. Zion is not fat at all. He's ripped. And not even Barkley jumps like Zion does. No, he does not. No one does. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, so I get Marbury's excitement. I do get his excitement. But, I mean, you can't slander LeBron James by saying a high school kid is better than him. I mean, that, I mean come on now. That's 
that's that's beyond ridiculous. Uh, and to say that LeBron can't shoot, I mean, it's almost as bad as uh when Colin Coward said Donovan Mitchell can't shoot, and I was lost my mind when he was talking about why Mitchell is overrated, even though he loves Ben Simmons. Right, he loves it. It's the same level. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, it's like so you you you're saying LeBron can't shoot. That's why he's not the greatest. But Zion's better than him, even though you know he can't but shoot. Zion's the next Jordan. How does that make any sense? I can't. But look, I I, I really genuinely do love Steph. I really do hope that uh, he's doing. It seems like he's doing great. So I, I really am happy for him. I'm happy he's getting the time to make headlines to where we're talking about him. Hopefully next time they'll he'll make a little more sense. But it seems like he's in a good place. I do want to uh, make sure I shot him out in that regard. But Jesus, talk about. I tell you what, that's a scolding hot take. If he's right, I mean, he's going to be the only guy ever in the world who thought this made this take and was correct. So in some sense, sitting on camera. Some sense, in some sense, he, he had the receipts. Right, he, he said it on camera. He can't back away from it. So some sense, in, in one sense, he, he had nothing to lose. So, in one sense, I kind of get it, but man, that's oof. That is something. I think that's a good place to wrap, though, Kendall. So, thank you guys so much for listening. I thought this was a really fun show. I hope you guys enjoyed listening. Be sure to check out all of our shows on the New Generation Podcast Network on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. Also, check us out on YouTube, New Generation Media, where we have a brand new video that released just two days ago. It is Kendall and I's top three. Rookie of the Year candidates for the 2018-2019 NBA season. It is a great one. We really enjoyed shooting it. We think it's one of our best. So I hope you guys check that out once again at New Generation Media on you on YouTube. Uh, make sure you like our video and subscribe to our channel. Also follow us on Instagram at New Generation Podcast. EJ, on, yeah, what's up? I don't want to interrupt you. Interrupt your. Uh, you are interrupting me, but <laughs> uh, but did you see on our YouTube video? Uh, the comment that the one of our gentlemen, one of the gentlemen, telling the story about Rick Carlisle. Yes, I did. That was a, that, that was an incredible great. story. Should we get into it real quick? Yeah, why not? So, in our YouTube video, of course, we're talking about rookie of the year candidates. Not to spoil, Luka Doncic's name comes up. Luca, of course, comes up. And the comment that we got on our YouTube channel is a guy talking about how he was in like a fast food restaurant or wherever he was. Apple Store. He was an Broken Apple phone. He, Started telling us about how he had a crack phone or something. I thought it was some spam thing because he was yeah, going so weird. Phone. I'm like, what is this stupid comment? <laughs> but eventually, he gets to the point of it. Uh, if he was a journalist, he would have been fired because he's like, you're burying this lead very badly right now. But eventually, he gets to the the crux of the article with uh, the point of his comment, and he says that at this Apple store, he ran into basically kind of in disguise and uh, in not in disguise, but like basically on the radar, yeah. uh, Rick Carlisle. Head coach of the Dallas Mavericks, which is pretty crazy already. So they already the story now turned after being very very boring. And then after, uh, you know, contemplating whether or not he should go talk to him, he made the right decision to go talk to him, and he wished him luck in the draft. And he said, uh, "I know you guys are gonna need a good player." And Rick Carlisle, according to this account, told that gentleman, uh, "Yes, we will, Luka Doncic." And then he ended the comment by saying that was a month before the draft. A month before the draft. I mean, that, I don't know. I, did did they do that a lottery true. a month before the draft? The, well, the, yeah, the lottery is like May 15th or so, the draft. So it, they may have been after the lottery. There's a, chance, there's a chance 
It was definitely after wise, but there's a. It was. It was the fifth pick, even if it wasn't. That's actually right, exactly. He didn't know they were going to win the lottery. So even if he thought, oh, we're going to, like, that's a bold thing to say. You're number five. You're saying we're going to get Luca Don. Yeah, we're going to get a top two, three guy. Without a doubt. Like, we already know. I mean. An incredible story. Great story. Yeah. Um, it shows you how, how far these things are done in advance. <laughs> if, if, it's, if it's true and if well, Carlisle look, knew. Rick Carlisle. And you know, I love me some Dallas Mavericks, and I love me some Rick Carlisle. But uh, with this season, he had plenty of time to do some scouting because there was not much happening. Yeah, plenty of time to do scouting. He, he, it wasn't like he had to be prepping for uh, for the for the for the you know the the, the April twelfth game against the Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> like that, it's not a game he's doing uh, extra work on. I'm pretty sure he's watching as much film on every uh, that's available on Luka Doncic. So he let's, he was let's not forget that. Uh, Let's not forget that when you look at it wasn't a secret that Doncic for a lot of people it wasn't a secret that he wasn't gonna go to Phoenix or Sacramento. I never believed it. But that was the talk like right after the lottery. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah those two teams really don't like him. So if that if Dallas knew that and they knew they that to be a they also don't like winning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know apparently. But and so if they knew that to be a fact and they knew Atlanta wasn't gonna draft him for whatever reason again, I don't know, then they probably knew. Well, we're the next best team. We're going to trade up to get him. And they probably knew that was the internal plan. And it also goes back to my theory of maybe Doncic had a list of teams that he knew he was going to go to or he knew he was willing to go to and Dallas was the first team on that list. And so... It definitely would not surprise me if that was the case. But uh, shout out to that dude. Uh, his name is Alex. He has on... Uh, Almost name. Maybe I should I should comment. I should reply to him talking about how great that story was. I'm glad he shared that. So I'm glad we were able to share it on our show. So, but yes, definitely. Once again, uh, follow our our YouTube channel, New Generation Media. Make sure you watch that video to know what we think of Luka Doncic and his chances of winning the NBA Rookie of the Year. Once again, like I said before, follow us on Instagram at New Generation Podcast as well as Twitter at New Generation Pod. Follow me on Twitter at EJ underscore Stewart and on Instagram. At Action EJ. That does it for now. We'll be back next week with more sports talk for Kendall. I'm EJ. And a special shout out to Sham for being our audio engineer tonight. He did a great job as always. We'll be back next week. Peace.